there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, Scott hates me because we have continued our, I guess, somewhat kind of theme of So Bad It's Good Movies with aminals in them. We had cats, (laughs) then we had Howard the Duck. And now we add more foul. Oh, yes. More foul foul. The foulest foul that ever fouled. Yes. Scott, what did I force you to watch today? Birdemic. That's right. We watched Birdemic, Shock and Terror, released in 2010. It is the number five worst movie ever on IMDb. It's not even that. It's just bad. There's so much of it that you're sitting there and you're like, you want to laugh, but you're like, no, this is just bad, bad. Yes, this movie, it has a lot of similarities to The Room. In that it's directed and written by a very strange man who I believe thought he was making a serious film, a serious picture. But then after the movie came out, it became a so bad it's good phenomenon. And now he has sort of leaned into that so bad it's good fuckery. And uh, he, he's made quite a name for himself. The writer, director, and producer of this film is a man by the name of James Wen. He's a, a Vietnamese filmmaker. This was not his first film. This was probably the first film that like really took off in the viral, so bad it's good realm. But like Tommy Wiseau of The Room, he was also trying really hard to appear like a big shot professional filmmaker. For the most part, this was a a James Wen-led project, much like with Tommy Wiseau. And because of that, this movie is just a complete clusterfuck of confusion. (laughs) Yeah, I would classify this on the level of most student films. The effects are laughably bad. The dialogue is atrocious. <laughs> well, it was a, a $10,000 budget, so the effects are understandably shitty. But if you're in a situation where you have such a low budget, then don't write a movie that requires several high-tech visual effects, including explosions, fire heavy-duty gore you can make a simple movie on your fucking iphone now probably for ten thousand dollars and it could be good there was a movie that came out i want to say a couple years ago that was filmed using the rear camera of a truck it was a short film but we're in a theater group here in long island called paradoja studios if you gave us ten thousand dollars oh we would we would make use of it. We could budget like a motherfucker. We could make a better movie than this if you gave us 10 grand. Oh, absolutely. I think we could make a better movie than this for like maybe $100, honestly. Well, th- And that's not us tooting our own horns. It's just, it's really just saying that this movie is a nightmare. <laughs> and I, I only watched this movie previously for it's so bad it's good infamy. And um, it, it definitely lived up to that. 
but I wanted to show it to Scott because I knew that it would break him. And that it did. It really did. And the thing is, okay, the movie's called Birdemic, right? So the crux of the movie is that birds attack. It's loosely inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, according to James Wen. Is it anything like The Birds? No, not really. I mean, birds attack. That's really the only way that it's like The Birds. But quality-wise, it's nothing like that movie. Anywho, the movie's called birdemic right the birds don't fucking show up until 45 minutes into the movie yeah it's ridiculous you're supposed to be into this character drama thing but none of the actors can act yeah and the first half of the movie before the actual birdemic occurs is filled with just boring nonsense terrible dialogue terrible sound editing quality we're gonna fucking talk about all of that but before we even got to like the quote-unquote good shit of the movie scott was dead inside (laughs) he's like why are we watching this well because okay i've done some of this stuff video editing and audio editing and editing in general and you're watching it and they're just random cuts at random time like there's one point where somebody's saying something and they cut in the middle of their sentence yeah sometimes in the middle of a word like it's very it's it's awful it's just like <laughs> what the fuck was that yeah and oftentimes a character will be talking 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 and then you just have this silent moment overtaken by background noise but I don't think this movie is about the character. I don't think James Wen wrote this movie with any sort of character development in mind. Because if he did, he would have hired actors that could at least fucking read dialogue like a human being. Like, like I don't think he gave a fuck about that. I think he believed he was making an environmental, political statement movie. So you're saying this is a live-action Ferngully? Kind if if uh, Robin Williams' bat was a really poorly animated screeching parrot that spurts acid out at you in an attempt to murder you, because birds are mad at people for global warming. That's the movie, guys. Like I don't know how else to explain it. So. Like we said, this movie was written and directed and produced by James Wen. And another reason why I say he's sort of akin to Tommy Wiseau is because he really kind of leaned into the so bad it's good infamy that his movie attained. If you're familiar with Tommy Wiseau's classic film, The Room, he originally started out when he made that movie saying that it was a drama, a very intense beautiful magnum opus drama i got the results of the test back i definitely have breast cancer but then when the movie got big as a so bad it's good film he basically leaned into it and claimed that the film was a quote-unquote black comedy james wen did a similar dance with his movie after he made birdemic colon shock and terror in 2010 he came out with a second birdemic film in 2013 and i've only seen clips of that film 
but uh, from what I understand, it, it really kind of leans more into the so bad it's good territory, the terrible effects, the awful dialogue, the terrible acting. It's all there just times 10. According to reports, James Wen was hoping to make a third installment to the Birdemic franchise called Birdemic 3 colon Sea Eagle. What do you think you are, Sharknado? I mean, that's basically what he was trying to do, I guess. But unfortunately, in 2016, an Indiegogo campaign was launched to finance this movie and was eventually closed because it made a whopping $600 out of its $500,000 goal. Dude, there's no way that you were going to get five hundred grand. There's not enough people that have seen this movie that would be like, you know what? If I gave that man a little bit more money, he can make a good movie. Your movie doesn't inspire that. Stop it. I do think that this is weirdly worth watching just for the fever dreamness of it (laughs) so uh let's get right into the plot of this movie it's it's hard to call it a plot but for the sake of sanity let's just call it a plot okay well even (laughs) before we get to that plot we have an opening title intro that is like about four minutes long yeah i counted just to see that is a guy in his car Driving down the road with the camera on a slight Dutch angle. Yeah, it looks like it's just a home video camera sitting on the dashboard while the guy's driving. It's it's fucking ridiculous. And then they have the score overlaying the opening credits, which is... It's literally like hold music when you're on the phone. That's what it sounded like to me. There's so many bad choices of music here where it's just like he gets into his car and it's the adventure beginning music. Right. But it's just like a car slowly pulling out of a fucking spot and then driving away down the highway at about like 10 miles an hour. <laughs> also, in regards to the music, it's really fucking funny in the opening sequence because they play through the entire opening song, which is about a minute and a half long and then you just hear silence so you're like oh okay is that it is something gonna happen now and then it just starts up again like it loops and then we get more opening credits and it's like okay <laughs> so then after this three to four minute long opening credit sequence we get our our guy in the car driving who is our main character he parks his car and walks ever so slowly into a diner across the street now This just 30 seconds of film introduces one of the biggest, most glaring problems of the film. And there are so, so many. But this introduces the issue of sound editing in the movie. Oh, my God. When he's outside walking to the diner, he's on a sidewalk, just a normal old sidewalk. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that part. Just a normal old sidewalk in, in Main Street, USA, okay? And he's walking down the sidewalk, but the sound you hear is akin to someone walking on gravel pebbles. And you're looking at the moon and you're like, he's on a sidewalk. Why is it sound like he's trudging through pebbles and mud? Like, what's happening here? And, and this is nowhere else in the movie. Even at points where they're like walking on a beach which you would possibly get that sound. Right, they don't use that. It's just here on the sidewalk. 
for no real reason. But there, there are several problems with the sound. When he walks into the diner, it's really bad. Like, Scott was shocked. Scott was like, what the fuck is that? The background atmospheric sound is so loud because a waitress comes up and starts talking to him and you can barely understand her because the background is so loud. Here is a menu. Thank you. I'll be right back with you. Obviously, this movie had a $10,000 budget, so they weren't exactly swimming in decent equipment. But the actors often had to hold their own mics, sometimes in between their knees. So there really was no way you were going to get decent sound in a situation like that. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but in situations like that where you're filming a movie especially in an establishment like a diner or something they have like refrigeration oh, yeah. and air conditioning that makes noise so you have to like turn all that off in like a professional movie set in order to cut out all that background shit well you do that or you film the background noise and then they speak their lines somewhere at like in a studio like adr that's yeah. what adr is for for those of you that are more familiar with that kind of stuff so he could have did that but no he didn't and in the diner it's bad but it's even worse when they're in outdoor areas doing scenes like there's one scene in particular where our two main characters are walking along a beach and it's a blustery day says Winnie the Pooh and the wind is howling and you can't even understand what the main characters are saying because the wind is just beating the mics to shit it's it's awful. The person who got the worst of it is our lead actress, who every scene, it just seemed like they Mike could not pick her up for shit. We're, we're going to introduce our two main characters in just a hot second, but the main actress is, I would say, for sure the best actor in the film. That's not really saying much, but it seems like she at least took the fucking like, uh, acting 101 class at the community college that she went to. Like, I think she recognizes she's in a piece of shit, but she's at least giving 5% effort, whereas everyone else is sleeping through their dialogue. So she's actually trying to convey emotion and not thinking about, oh, I have to scream my dialogue because otherwise I'm going to be drowned out by the whipping winds of fucking California. So let's let's uh, move on from the technical fuckery okay. of this movie. Let's start introducing some characters here. Let's introduce the characters unlike the movie. Right. Well, first we get our our main, main guy, our driver in the beginning who walked into the diner. His name is Rod. And I know that because I've seen this movie before. But Scott pointed out that we didn't get his name until 10 minutes into the movie. And in the first 10 minutes, he has a slew of dialogue with our other main character and introduces himself to her without ever mentioning his actual name. So he's in the diner and he is just looking out across the way and he notices this beautiful woman, this beautiful blonde woman. And he nearly breaks his neck as she walks by him, whipping his head around to look at her ass. He's a little creep with her for sure. But uh, her name is Natalie. But Rod is played by Alan Bagg. I'm going to guess that's how you say it. If it's wrong, I don't care. I thought it was Ba. Ba, 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 Black Sheep. Okay, let's go with that. Alan Bach. Oh. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's B A G H. I'm not. I don't care enough to be perfectly frank to get his name right. We'll never see him again. Watch next year. We're, we're sitting in our Oscars show and nominated for best supporting actor. Okay. <laughs> Alan Buck. You know what? I have. <laughs> I have no problem. Right now, if Alan Baugh is nominated for any award at the Oscars <laughs> next year, I will pay $100 million to the next person I see. Okay. Well, considering you live with me, most likely I will be the next person you see. Therefore, I'm going to be rich. So <laughs> now I'm going to really push for Alan Buck. <laughs> So Rod, our main character, our hero of this tale, he is quite Twitter padded with our our female lead by the name of Natalie, who is played by Whitney Moore. Rod comes up to Natalie and is immediately very creepy. He goes, I recognize you. Did you go to blah, blah, blah high school? She goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did, too. And then immediately after that, he says, so where are you from? And it's like, did you just say you went to high school together? (laughs) What the fuck? Okay. The real problem is they're trying to do a meet cute here, and that's just fine and dandy. That's a typical trope for a romance. This is supposed to be a romance along with a fucking Birdemic movie. I don't know why it doesn't matter, but the point is the main character of Rod, Alan Bach, has absolutely 0.0% life in his body. So he acts like a robot. His face throughout this entire movie is exactly the same he never changes his facial expression and he speaks almost in a monotone okay to get the image i want you to have here for this guy's acting ability i want you to take the rock okay i'm thinking i'm visualizing the rock all the charisma in the world right the man could literally wink and a woman's panties would fly off absolutely i'm on board what are you going to do to the rock Take all of that okay, I'm and think the complete opposite. Oh, no. No. No, come back, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Come back. This man winks and a woman puts on more clothes. I like sales. It fits my personality. Software development was boring for me. And I felt that I was more of a sales and marketing type. So, I switched. I'm sorry. I fell asleep. Because that was so boring. Because here's the problem, particularly in romance films, since this is supposed to be a romance that is forming right now between Rod and Natalie, let's take generally romance films. A lot of times they're very formulaic. A lot of the dialogue you can probably like cut and paste and it's all the same fucking thing, right? Of course. But there are times in those kind of situations with romance films where it's still enjoyable because you have two leads that are charismatic in their own right. Oh, damn straight. And or have chemistry with one another. And it makes the movie more enjoyable. That does not exist here. It exists in the negative, actually. There is anti-chemistry between Rod and Natalie. (laughs) I would believe that these two had never met before in their entire lives, were put together on set and told, you like each other talk it's really interesting that you say that because according to my research our director james wen instructed our two main stars not to socialize outside of filming which would seem what's the word 
counterproductive? Yes, that's precisely the word. Because if you want two people to have a believable romance together, you might want them to hang out with each other and develop some sort of actual, you know, chemistry. <laughs> Even in rom-coms that aren't like the best rom-coms, I'm thinking of like The Proposal of Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Not the best rom-com, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But they both at least have some semblance of chemistry like you need to have chemistry to believe people can get together so they have their little meet cute they exchange numbers and go on their merry way and we cut to rod at home presumably the next day as he's getting ready to go to work and he's watching the news and we get our first little taste of the environmental message in this movie scott looks like he wants to kill himself so maybe it would be best to get him talking about this part <laughs> okay so yeah rod is sitting there watching the news about birds being found in dead groupings of like hundreds or whatever the environment's going crazy people are dying and they cut to the tv screen this person has clearly never watched the news to see how you would set up a newscasting site. It's so bad. Which is silly because it's the easiest setup to do. You literally have to turn on any fucking news channel ever in creation and you see how they set it. They set it all all the fucking same. It, it, so I don't understand why we couldn't figure this out. The newscaster takes up about one third of the bottom of the screen and then the entire rest of the screen is just empty space. And it's like, that's not how the news works. (laughs) Like, this is so simple. So Rod gets into his car and he's driving to go get gas at Chevron. Gas is four fifty four a gallon. Oh shit! He goes to a gas station and then proceeds to get stuck in traffic for about thirty seconds to a minute, and that's our transition to him going to work. And he goes to work in an office building, just random office building. He's in sales. We don't know what he sells. Don't ask. I don't know. Uh, it's something about computers and software. I- <laughs> And he gives the guy on the other end of the phone, who we never hear, a 50% discount, and he makes a million-dollar sale. So if you do the math on that real quick, kids... He gives away a extra million dollars of product to yes. a random person. A million dollars times two is two million dollars. So he made a two million dollar sale and gave this person that he's selling to a million-dollar discount... Huh? <laughs> That's not how businessy business works. I mean, I know we're in movie land here, guys, but that doesn't even make a little bit of sense. But, you know, his buddy comes in and he's really happy for Rod. What's his buddy's name? I don't know. I think they said his name once in the film. I don't remember what it was, so we're just going to call him Buddy. <laughs> the only thing about Buddy that's at all a part of a character is he likes to have sex. Oh, yes. You know how it is in movies like this. Well, maybe not movies like this, but movies in general. We have our main hero who is just a nice guy. I'm the good guy. I can smile and shine a hole into the sun. (laughs) Not this guy, but, you know, normally. Normally. And then that sweet, nice fella has got a friend who's a raunchy pig who should be rolling around in the mud. Ducky? 
Oh, we like Ducky. No, we don't like Ducky. I like Ducky. Nobody likes Ducky. I like Ducky just fine. You know what, John Cryer? Can you watch Pretty in Pink instead, please? God damn you, John Cryer. Let's just Cryer. talk about any other movie than this. So now he's so happy about the sale, he has to go call Natalie in his Mustang right away. Right. So he, he goes off to go sit in his car so he can call his not-girlfriend and tell him about his wonderful sale. But she's a little busy too, Natalie, because she is doing a 25 cent Sears catalog fucking <laughs> photo shoot, quote unquote. Oh my God, And I'm she so gets bad. a call from her agent telling her, hey, Natalie, good news. We got you a job with Victoria's Secret. You're going to be their new cover model. And her modeling agency is called Dream Models, which it, is totally, <laughs> totally a porn website. It's definitely an underground thing for like sex trafficking because there's no fucking way that this podunk nobody modeling agency gets you a job with Victoria's Secret and just like nothing happened. Like if you're working for a huge company like Victoria's Secret, you're not going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs in Main Street USA. No, you're going to be like whisked off to like, they're not, the Bahamas. Right. Like it, it just didn't make any sense. It, it seemed very fake. It also because of the actress that was playing her agent, it sounded like she wanted Natalie to come to the studio so they could stick her in a fucking bathtub full of ice and steal her organs. Like, it just seemed very sketchy, but it doesn't really matter in the long run. The point is that Rod and Natalie are both on cloud nine right now because their lives are wonderful and they're both going to be fucking millionaires now, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, Rod calls Natalie yes and tells her about his wonderful day and he goes hey you want to go on a date at first Natalie answers and goes who's this <laughs> and then he's like hey I know this great Vietnamese restaurant we can go to let's let's go I'll buy you a nice dinner she's like okay sounds great we cut to Rod playing basketball with Buddy in the heat wave in the winter Oh, yes, because global warming, guys, global warming is bad. But then on the other hand, it's like, OK, you're playing basketball and you have like a long sleeve shirt on and a T-shirt over it and you're running around like fucking put a fucking tank top on if you're so fucking warm, you asshole. Oh, my God. And this basketball scene, he's dribbling with his back to his buddy and he does a shot. That's so bad. It, it like misses the hoop almost entirely and they keep it in the fucking movie <laughs> well you have said before honey that movies don't do basketball very well for whatever reason generally it, speaking they, it's very true i did say that but it's but just, mind you birdemic doesn't do anything well <laughs> it's it's just so bad but yes the room is to football as birdemic is to basketball the whole purpose of the scene basically is to give another global warming hint and for Rod to tell his buddy about Natalie and for Buddy to go, oh, it's great. You're going to get in her pants. Oh, you should fuck her because a day without sex is a day wasted, man. It's like, okay, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> this guy, even though they say it, like he has a girlfriend. This guy does not have a girlfriend. 
well we find out later that buddy does have a quote-unquote girlfriend but i would venture a guess that she is a paid participant in the relationship but we'll get to that in just a bit so we cut to rod and natalie's first of many dates in this movie at the vietnamese restaurant and they have the most awkward stilted wooden conversation about what it's like being in sales and what it's like being a supermodel and rod starts saying something about football that really upset scott and i didn't know what it was so i'll have him explain it because he got really animated it just doesn't even fucking make like Oh, yeah, I'm a big 49ers fan. Oh, I'm also kind of an Eagles fan. But I like this team, too. I'm like, you're not a fan, then. You just like football. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. There's so many other things to shit on Rod for, Scott. (laughs) Alan Bach is (laughs) not worthy of getting so animated. He himself does not have the capacity to get animated about anything. Well, you know what? I'm animated. That's what I do. That's who I am. The people who listen to this show know that. There was one point, though, where Rod, he just is talking to Natalie, and he goes, I like sales. And he, the way he said it, it just reminded me of Anakin Skywalker in that scene about him talking about sand. I don't like sand. It's coarse and- Rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, he's talking about it and it's like, I like sales because it fits my personality. And it's like, you have no personality. What the fuck are you talking about? And then they do this fucking bit because Rod is like, oh, what do you do for fun, Natalie? And Natalie's like, oh, I just hang out with my friends and I go to clubs. Oh, and I spend a lot of time with Alex. And he's like, oh, who's that? Is that your boyfriend? And she takes out her wallet and she's like, oh, I'm going to show you a picture of him here. Look at, this is Alex. And it's a fucking cat. But the whole time Rod was like, show me, show me the picture. Yeah, okay, like, dude, you are giving off such stalker tendencies. Like, please stop. Do you remember when I sat two seats behind you in English class? I would twirl your hair when you weren't looking. (laughs) Braid it. I knew what color underwear you were wearing every day. (laughs) After you left, I used to go sniff your desk. (laughs) Right where your butt was. Just stick my nose right in there. Right in the indentation. (laughs) And take a big... Oh my god, I'm going to throw up. Okay. (laughs) I gotta stop. But this is where you really notice the acting is like out of a middle school play. If you you know, if you go to see like an elementary or middle school play, a lot of the times the actors will talk in the same inflection and no matter what they're saying, they'll just speak in this rhythm. Like that's what it is the whole time. I'm George Washington, and I cut down this cherry tree, and I never tell a lie, and I had wooden teeth, and this is amazing. Right, yeah, it's, oh my god, it's just, it's just awful. (laughs) But you're supposed to believe that Natalie is getting Twitter padded with this guy, and it's like, ugh. But while he's walking her home, we get our first viewing of... The birds. That's right. They forgot about that. The birds make their first appearance. Now, we're not at birdemic levels yet. There's green parrots, which look like... Shit. 
Yeah. It's essentially clip art that was placed in the tree while Rod is walking Natalie home. And they stop and look at these green parrots chilling by this tree. And they're just repulsive looking. Obviously, it's some kind of computer graphic thing, but it's just... I don't know what it is. It looks like fucking clip art. So so that's just a, a little taste of what's to come. But after that whole debacle, we cut to Natalie the next day, I guess, going to visit her mother, who is a completely pointless character in this who, film. Who definitely has breast cancer. Oh, my God. <laughs> but she she's completely pointless in this movie. I don't even know why she's here, because she's just talking to her daughter about how Natalie met Rod and how Natalie got the Victoria's Secret job. And the only thing that pissed me off in this whole thing, okay, if you are a aspiring model working your butt off to try and get into the business and you get a job with Victoria's Secret, which is a fucking huge deal, I would assume, if you're an aspiring model. I guess gigantic. So that's on one hand. And then on the other hand, in the same week, you meet a guy and go on an awkward first date something tells me if i went to go visit my mom i would fucking lead with victoria's secret over i met a guy the other day (laughs) this particular scene provides us no information that we didn't already have and then the only other scene that she's in is when she does finally meet rod and she just blathers on for 10 minutes about her retirement and now she likes to watch tv and it's like okay what is the point of any of this who cares? It doesn't matter. So right after this wonderful meeting with Natalie's mother, Natalie calls her friend, who is in the middle of having sex with Buddy. Yes, apparently Natalie's best friend just happens to be fucking Rod's best friend. Which is a weird coincidence that, again, is so convoluted unnecessarily so but that is the least of the problems in this particular scene the best friend who's fucking buddy is straddling him in an orange bikini in a hotel room with a poster on the wall and it's a white poster with black lettering the most boring uninviting advertising you could possibly have for anything and the poster is advertising a website called imaginepeace.com which if you do a little research you'll find out it's Yoko Ono's website why it's plugged so much I have no idea but it's an environmental anti-war type website if I'm not mistaken now throughout this movie Every time this girlfriend character of Buddies is on screen, there is a mention of imaginepeace.com, whether it be on this poster on the wall or in a t-shirt that the girl is wearing, which again, just a plain white t-shirt with black lettering on it saying imaginepeace.com and nothing else. So it's like, okay, why? (laughs) God, if you're going to advertise a website, advertise the old Space Jam website, for God's sakes. Oh, yeah. that would, Imagine, though. Just imagine that. That would just make this movie somehow more peculiar than it already is. So, the best friend of Natalie answers the phone during sexy time. Uh, it's not really sexy time. It's more like stilted, awkward, trying to straddle you time. Well, I don't know. That, that's the point, though. Like, if you 
are willing to go answer the phone. Yeah, why are you... That's weird, too, now I'm thinking about it. Because she answers the phone, and then Natalie's like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, what does it sound like I'm doing? I'm trying to fuck my boyfriend. And it's like, okay, then why did you answer the phone? Like, just don't answer it. They're like, oh, okay, well, I met this guy, Rod. We should go on a double date. And she's like, okay, cool. They hang up. The best friend talks to Buddy. Hey, Rod's my best friend. What a small world. Oh, my God. Because no other people named Rod exist in the world. So that must be my Rod. (laughs) (laughs) My Rod. (laughs) I made a penis joke and I didn't even mean to. Speaking of my Rod, get back on there, baby, with your orange bikini. Uh. So they go on a double date to see a movie. What movie, you may ask? I'm glad you asked that, audience member who can't respond to me, but I'm glad you asked that. They went to see An Inconvenient Truth, because that's such a romantic movie. If you don't know what that movie is, it's a movie that was made years ago. I, I don't remember when, but it was some years ago by Al Gore. And it's all about global warming and environmentalism and how the world is melting and we need to save it. So we're right back on the environmentalist train and that's all well and good. I don't want it to sound like I'm not for environmentalism. Like, that's wonderful. I watched Before the Flood. I'm cool with it. But here's the thing. If you're going on a double date, (laughs) you're not going to take your fucking date to see an inconvenient truth. That is not get the panties moist, okay, guys? Let's make that very clear. Well, it, it clearly gets Buddy's engine revving because oh when they get out of the movie theater, he goes, you guys can go because uh, I have some sensual business to get to. And that's what made me think, is she a prostitute? Because they're like, oh, we have to go back to work, you know, sensual work. And I'm like, is sensual work just a nice way to say prostitution? I don't know. And we'll never know because they don't explain it and I don't care. (laughs) But after this scene, Rod and Buddy go to their job and they find out that their software sales company was bought out by another company for $1 billion. But the reason that this scene is notable is because of the terrible editing and the terrible... Just everything. Oh, oh my God. The guy that gets to play the CEO looks like he just walked in off the street. He announces this buyout of the company and that everyone in the room is going to be fucking filthy rich now because stock options or whatever. So they're all happy and they express their happiness through applause. Much, (gasps) much, much, many, much applause. We also cut to Buddy who is clearly trying to hump Rod in his chair. Because his whole personality is sex. Sexity, sex, 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 sexity, sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. The first people who are shown are Rod and Buddy, who we've met. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Those are our two main characters uh, that we know from this place. Fine. Then they cut to two random people. Then two more random people. And it just goes on and on. Like, the whole scene is, like, forever. And it's like, okay, we get it. They sold the company. Everybody's fucking rich. Yay. But we don't know anybody else here. (laughs) 
buddies like I'm gonna buy a brand new car you should buy a brand new car too Rod because you have this model girlfriend now and Rod says (laughs) with the deadest of deadpan expressions he goes Natalie is my Ferrari and that's supposed to be cute I don't know I I feel as dead inside as Rod does at this point (laughs) Frankie you're my Italian sports car. <laughs> well, I am a quarter Italian, so I appreciate the sentiment. But um, oh, no, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> so Rod says that he's going to retire for a while and like live off of his money. But then he immediately decides, no, 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 I'm going to do a new startup company, which is very vaguely explained. It's basically a company that makes cheaper solar panels, so they're more affordable for the common consumer. You cut to him in this boardroom, basically doing a pitch for this startup company. And all I kept thinking while he's doing this quote unquote pitch is like, oh my God, this is the worst episode of Shark Tank I've ever seen in my life. And all I keep thinking during this entire scene is, where the fuck are the goddamn birds? We're almost, almost there, but we're still just trudging along here. Like, if you did not know the title of this movie and you got to this point in the movie, you're about, we're about almost halfway through at this point. And then you look at me and you go, hey, what's the title of this again? And I say, Birdemic, colon, Shock and Terror. You'd be like, um, none of those things are present in this. Are you sure that's what we're watching? Maybe we're shockingly bored. (laughs) But the scene ends with Rod getting uh, financial backing from people in this boardroom for his new startup. Yay, yippee-ki-yay, wonderful. Who cares? million dollars. Uh, They just throw like millions of dollars around like it's candy in this movie. I I don't even, whatever. So we cut to the next fucking scene. We get an interesting little tidbit where Rod and Natalie are on another date this time at the local art and pumpkin festival which you can tell from the way it's filmed like this is actually something that was going on in the town wherever they were filming and they just kind of took advantage of that this is also kind of a trope in a lot of so bad it's good movies the youtube channel red letter media which I watch a lot. They do a lot of great film and television reviews and stuff like that. They're really, really funny. If you don't know who they are, please check them out. Red Letter Media. They review a lot of bad movies as well. And they kind of coined a term for what this phenomenon is. And they call it shooting the rodeo. Whenever you see a movie where there's clearly padding just to to stretch out the running time, where they just go to a parade or they go to some sort of public event to add production value to your film and pad out the running time it is common enough that a term exists for it so i guess that's something but after that they go to yet another date at a restaurant and this is one of my favorite scenes in this movie because we get a song in this part the only point of this scene is the song yeah there's no one else in the goddamn restaurant, okay? They're doing the whole talky bullshit thing. Oh, I like you so much. Oh, I like you too. Who cares? After the talky talky, we get to the good shit where there is a performer singing a song in the restaurant. And this song is just, 
I mean, I'm surprised it has not won any Grammy awards. It's just, oh, it's such a fucking banger. While this strange man who kind of looks like a mix of Wayne Brady and Tracy Morgan, he's performing this song to an audience of two, Rod and Natalie, who are dancing to this song which is completely unromantic and completely not a party song in any way shape or form like I don't understand why why this song I, I it doesn't make any sense but it's just so good I don't care just hanging out hanging out hanging out with the family having ourselves a and it's only buttressed by the fact that Rod and Natalie are both dancing like the whitest of white people. Like Rod is doing the typical arms at your side, swinging back and forth. Whitney Moore is at least trying to be silly and like have fun with it because she's doing like the robot and the Vogue. She's just all over the place because she's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> this movie is a piece of shit. It's a song about having dinner with your family this is one of those so bad it's good scenes that it just it's so blatant and it's not making sense that i just can't ignore the beauty of it but finally after all of this courting we get the scene that we've all been waiting for just with bated breath rod and natalie they're gonna do it but let's stop there for a second because this is something else i want to bring up He's walked Natalie back to her house. He clearly lives in the house. Yes. Oh, this is perfect. I was just going to bring that up. Go ahead, Scott. They go and have sex at a motel. They both clearly live in this town. They have established residences. Why would you, when you want to fuck your girlfriend, it's not like she's a one night stand. Like she's your girlfriend. So take her to your house and fuck her. Or her house. But no, they have to go to this sleazy motel the fuck because James Wen couldn't get an interior set of a bedroom. So they're just going to a hotel for no reason. This sex scene is so fucking awkward. Rod is completely clothed. Natalie strips down to her blue bikini Mm -hmm. while Tippi Hedren's on the TV. Okay. James Wen... The director of this movie made a film before this called Julian Jack. What's it about? It doesn't matter. Don't watch it, okay? The reason I bring it up is because a certain high-profile actress had a very small role in that movie, Julian Jack, and the actress's name is Tippi Hedren. Now, Tippi Hedren is important to this particular story because Tippi Hedren was in The Birds, which, as I mentioned in the beginning, loosely inspired James Wen to make this movie. So, in the 10-year-long opening credit sequence, under supporting cast, Tippi Hedren was listed. And Scott was like, hmm? Now let me explain. Is Tippi Hedren actually in this movie? <laughs> you fool. No. <laughs> what James Wen did... <laughs> is he wanted Tippi Hedren in this movie because the birds. So he took the footage that he had of Tippi Hedren from his previous movie, Julian Jack, put it on the TV in the hotel room in the midst of the sex scene, 
and then decided, oh, she's in the movie now. I can put her in the supporting cast credit. Why? <laughs> huh? <laughs> that don't make no sense. <laughs> but we get our boring ass sex scene between Rod and Natalie. And I feel like I don't have to say this, but I'm going to anyway. You don't give a fuck because you don't give a fuck about either of them. And you don't care about their relationship because they're boring and they suck at life. Okay, continuing. Because now, a whopping 47 minutes into this Birdemic movie, we finally get a Birdemic, guys. It's happening at last. So the birds are kamikazing into things and randomly exploding yes well what we do okay so we have the sex scene right and it's oh so passionate oh so lovely and we cut to the next morning and it's quiet too quiet like literally they just cut to several different establishing shots of different places we've already been to throughout the movie so far and there is no sound no background noise it's actually quite peaceful i was just living for the silence for once in this movie (laughs) and then like a fucking fire alarm out of nowhere the silence is just cut with the screeching of many much birds well the funniest thing about it is you're getting all these nice little like establishing shots as frankie was saying and then the screen fades to black and then cuts to these birds and you're like what the fuck yeah and the noise is just incessant and it's just ear splitting and it's awful and it's annoying and it was giving both of us a fucking headache I'm going to be ever so kind and just give you a quick, like, one or two second snippet of it. No, Frankie! So that's what we were dealing with for basically the entire remainder of this movie. Constantly. It was just ridiculous. And we see Ron and Natalie in the hotel and they are surrounded by these birds in the hotel. Rod and Natalie are very, very frightened by this and they end up barricading the door with the hotel bed and they managed to get to another room in the hotel that has another couple in there by the name of Ramsey and Becky oh god and our heroic couple meet up with this other couple and they decide to team up to escape the hotel this is where we get one of the more iconic aspects of this movie the coat hanger scene our heroes decide to arm themselves with coat hangers from the hotel room in order to escape the room and get to Ramsey's car. So they're walking out of the hotel room. They're all back to back so they can catch the birds from any direction, right? So let me explain real quickly because I I wanted this to come across how dumb this is. (laughs) The standing back to back thing only works when you're person is on the ground birds come from the air yeah they come from the sky you dummies like they can come right down in the middle of you and none of you see it right so they go outside and immediately are attacked by the shit birds and we get just a a pure gold piece of so bad it's good cinema we have our heroes standing by ramsey's car for some reason, the door is jammed so they can't open the door. So as so they're being attacked by these birds and this attack is essentially the clip art birds just hovering over them and cawing 
and not doing anything really just just flapping their wings hovering there and our heroes quote unquote are taking these coat hangers and swatting into the air (laughs) oh god it's so bad i just wish i could have been on set that day to hear the direction swat to the left now swat to the right crisscross oh god i just i can't i literally cannot um, so they finally get it open, and fucking Ramses pulls out like an AK fucking forty seven. Yeah, we don't find this out till later, but he used to be a marine, so because of that, he has an AK and a handgun just in his car to shoot at the birds. But it begs the question: Why didn't you have your gun with you? So maybe we wouldn't have to swat at the air with coat hangers. This leads to more boring shit where they're just kind of driving along the road. Yeah, they they pick up a couple of kids on the side of the road that were hiding out. But what's even weirder is, okay, after they save these kids, right? They're like, oh, we're hungry. We should eat something. So they go to this convenience store and they get some food stuffs. And then they decide in their infinite wisdom to have a picnic outside by the beach you know where the birds are (laughs) just eat at the convenience store like why are you eating outside in a picnic like this is all lovely and normal like everything's fine and then rod and natalie are just going on like a leisurely stroll and they come upon this scientist guy on a bridge and what's the scientist's name dear dr jones it's indiana jones you guys he's here to save us it's not (laughs) we couldn't afford harrison for this movie but he's just there to give a whole bunch of nonsense drivel about global war. He He's there to attempt to explain the birdemic to the audience because no one can understand why the fuck this is happening. And he's just like, well, I don't know why this is happening. I'm not an expert or anything, even though I'm a scientist written into this movie to explain everything. But let me just give you a theory. Perhaps the birds are angry because global warming. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the bird flu virus oh that's my going God. around. He keeps saying bird flu virus. And it's like, okay, that's an, like you're reiterating unnecessarily. It's a bird flu. Like, yeah. you know, it's bird flu virus. That's it's like that's like the least of this movie's problems. Anyway, <laughs> we continue on where we're going. I don't know. We're just driving along. Like a perfect example of what they're trying to do is Walking Dead in apocalyptic situation, and they're driving along. They're trying to get somewhere, but the problem is they're not trying to get anywhere. They're just driving along aimlessly. It like in the first season of The Walking Dead. They're trying to get to the CDC yes, to try to figure out what's going on with the zombies and stuff. Well, the, the whole thing about, yes, the CDC, but also find a place where they can stay and right. fortify. Like there's, there's a purpose to what they're doing and they're traveling. There's no purpose to this traveling. They don't establish that. They're just driving along randomly. Like they're going on a fucking cross-country drive. Like I don't understand. It's like Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, exactly. Just like Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> Just like Oscar winning Little Miss Sunshine. So after Dr. Jones tells the audience that the birds aren't the real dangerous animals, 
humans are the dangerous animals. They're pulled over on the side of the road because Ramsey's girlfriend, Becky, had to take a shit. That's literally how they explained it in the movie. Becky and Natalie are in a field somewhere nearby while Becky is doing her business. And a bird swoops in and kills her. Yes. Now, fun fact that wasn't originally scripted in the movie. Becky's abrupt death scene mid shit was added to the film because the actress had to leave the production to attend acting school in New York. So she was like, listen, I'm fucking leaving. I'm not going to be in this shitty movie anymore. I got real shit to do. And James Wen was so appreciative of that, that he decided to write in a scene where she dies mid shit. (laughs) So he seems like a swell guy. The gang takes off and they come across another group of people on a bus and they're surrounded by birds. A double-decker bus like it's fucking England. I love how you, every time we go through, especially So Bad It's Good movies, but really in every movie we do pretty much, you point out the most like minute problems that really in the grand scheme are like not even prop like there are fucking flying clip art birds killing people while they poop and you're talking about oh there's a double decker bus here i've never seen there are double decker buses exist scott okay this is america (laughs) we can do anything the brits can do (laughs) Well, fine, Frankie, fine. I think this movie is killing me now. It was killing Scott before, and now in review, it's killing me. So Ramsey goes, and he decides, for Becky's sake, he's going to go save all these people. Oh, yeah, because the birds, they... (laughs) The birds killed Becky, so we gotta get those birds. So Ramsey goes and grabs these three random people, brings them out of this bus and they proceed to get peed on. Well, you said it was pee. It was I've, yellow. It is yellow. I, it I've is- heard it explained as it being corrosive acid because their faces like melt off and they die. Where are the birds getting acid? I don't know, Scott. I don't know. Okay? I didn't write the movie. I'm just telling you what I've heard and what I understand to be true. It, it, it looks like urine. Maybe the bird's uric acid is, you know, acid. Let's not try to make sense out of this, okay? The point is, the people die. Ramsey is dead. So, Rod and Natalie and the kids, they take off. Yeah, they go to buy gas and get hustled by a gas station owner who sells them gas for $100 a gallon. And then they pull over on the side of the road where... A random Texan holds them up at gunpoint for their gas. You can tell he's a Texan because he wears a cowboy hat and he's got a big belt buckle. But he gets his throat slit by a random eagle flying across the screen. Yes. And what makes this scene particularly unnecessarily stupid is after the Texan gets killed whilst holding a canister of gas that he's stolen from Rod and Natalie... He drops the canister, of course, and Rod is like, okay, we got to go. Let's get out of here. And he just fucking leaves and leaves the extra gas can sitting on the side of the road. And it's like, why wouldn't you just pick it up? You need that. And eventually later in the movie, he runs out of gas. So it's like, you're a dumbass. Why? Why? 
I need to go to bed. But, but before they run out of the gas, we have to meet our last character, Mr. Hill. Yeah, they go into this random forest area to get some fresh water from the stream. Whatever. They literally, 20 minutes before this, bought a fucking 24-pack of water bottles. They ran out in like five seconds. Okay, whatever. I don't care. They go into the woods and they come upon this creepy looking woodsman and he lives in a treehouse and the kids are so excited. Let's go play in the treehouse. Children, your parents are dead. Why are you talking like this? We didn't even mention how bad the kid actors are, but like they need to just go back to regular school and learn their ABCs and forget about acting because I don't know. I don't know where they're from or where they think they're going. <laughs> Well, clearly, they want to go to McDonald's. Oh, my God. That was so annoying. I, ugh. They're in the midst of an apocalyptic crisis. Their parents have been murdered, and they have been attacked by killer birds. Multiple times. And all they can fucking do is whine and bitch and moan in the backseat of this car, talking about how hungry they are every five seconds and how they want a fucking Happy Meal. Like, I get it. James when sometimes kids are annoying but I don't think in this particular scenario the kids would just be whining the whole time about how they want a fucking happy meal like oh my god it was just so annoying but I digress once again let's just get to the end of this fucking movie so the forest guy just again gives a lot of blah 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 nature blah 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 global warming the best part of the scene though is when he leaves he's like oh i'm sorry guys i hear a mountain light in the distance i gotta go and he just leaves and it's like uh-huh <laughs> those damn mountain lions so again after we've left the forest man to die in the wilderness we we get back in the car and we drive more and more. We get a, a pretty gloomy score here. And it sounds eerily similar to the song Imagine by John Lennon. Imagine all the eagles pecking out your eyes. It sounds like it's like a, a hair, a smidge off kilter from the yeah. actual song. Yeah, like, like they, just enough to avoid copyright infringement. Yeah, like they changed the key. As they're driving, Natalie mentions, oh, there's a car on the side of the road. Oh, that's my best friend's car. We should We should pull up over there and see what's going on. Maybe she's in the car. They pull up to the car and they see the best friend character that we met earlier, Natalie's best friend, and buddy and they're both dead as doornails and instead of holding on this emotional moment we cut right away to them running out of gas and you'd think that this would be a more concerning situation but instead rod just goes in the back seat of the car and happens to find a fishing rod and like a portable mini barbecue or whatever so he's like, oh, I can catch some fish and then we can cook them ha 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 wonderful so they again take these children out into the open by the beach rod goes fishing and natalie is harvesting seaweed okay sure so of course the birds soon attack they run to the car the birds surround the car 
and one of them for whatever fucking stupid reason just decides to fly into the fucking windshield and splatter like i don't it's really gross and unnecessary also why do these birds not explode nothing makes sense scott let's just power through this uh (laughs) but then as if by magic the birds just decide to stop and leave and they go flying off into the distance I know Scott hasn't seen this gem of a So Bad It's Good movie, but it's very similar to M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, where the plants are attacking. We don't know why, we don't know how, but they're killing people. And then just all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, at a certain time code in the movie, the plants just stop and everything's fine. And there's no explanation, there's no reasoning for it. It just happens and then the movie's over. That's basically what happens here. Rod, Natalie, and the two kids get out of the car once they realize the birds have gone. And they just stand at the shoreline at the beach and watch the birds fly off into the distance. Again, with very whimsical kind of music. Yes, and this also is... A sequence that goes on for way too fucking long and also like the beginning sequence has a short little scored musical segment that goes on then stops there's a little bit of silence and then loops again and starts over and it's just it's at least like one or two minutes which doesn't sound like a long time but in movie land it's you're just standing there watching four people look off into nothing for two minutes like there's no dialogue they're just they're just looking off yeah blankly into space it, and it's like okay this is how we're ending the movie and then sure enough the fucking credits come up and you're like wow this is how i spent two hours of my day and i'm never gonna get it back <laughs> it was funny because as i'm watching the birds fly away all i'm thinking of is jurassic park 3 where the pterodactyls are flying off off the island i'm like there's bigger problems here that we're not bringing up. Yeah. The music is swelling. Almost like in Jurassic Park 3 where it's like, how beautiful. The pterodactyls are flying beside us. They're so majestic. And it's like, yeah, but do you want to like get on that? Because they still might have that acid pee that's going to kill people if they get a little ornery. Or they might explode on random people. Like The music conveys the message that this is supposed to be a heartfelt moment and it's like oh they survived they made it through it's a beautiful thing now make sure you go to imaginepeace.com and it's like wait no no i don't feel i don't feel heart warmed at all right now i feel dead inside i want to go home and that is birdemic colon shock and terror which are two incredibly accurate words that we can use to describe our experience watching this movie (laughs) so scott how'd you feel about this this is definitely arguably one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my entire life so definitely the worst movie you've ever seen on shoot the flick yeah i'd watch theodore rex again i've watched howard duck again (gasps) oh wait we have to mention what you said during this movie do we have to yes we do okay so uh, i've mentioned this before i'm a big musical nerd right you guys know you know me and scott is not a big fan of a lot of musicals particularly one that he really hated that we watched on this show was les miserables if you haven't listened to that episode please do because it's quite hilarious listening to scott slowly lose his mind but 
as much as he hated Les Mis, he had the temerity to say during this movie, oh my God, I have somehow gotten a new appreciation for Les Mis. And my heart stopped. I was like, okay, well, at least something good came out of this. You at least (laughs) don't hate Les Mis as much as you did previously. (laughs) Yes. I would much rather watch the train wreck that is Les Mis than watch this ever again but if you are having a drunken so bad it's good movie night with your friends this is a good potential pick there's definitely a lot of fodder for jokes and fuckery to be had here so if you're in that kind of mood feel free to check it out with your friends and with a big bottle of tequila but I gave this a 0.5 out of 5 stars. It's it's terrible, but it's one of those movies you know going in what you're signing up for. So maybe that'll help take the edge off if you don't have the tequila. I strongly recommend the tequila, though. I really do. But uh, Scott, what, what did you rate this movie? <laughs> I have it also as a 0.5 out of 5. So now that that's over, we're, we're done with So Bad It's Good Movies for a while. We, yes. we've, we've had our fill. Next week, we're going to have uh, another Harry Potter movie with the Half-Blood Prince. And that's going to be significantly more fun than this. Although I'm sure people had a good deal of fun listening to us slowly but surely lose our fucking minds <laughs> watching this movie. But yeah, until next week, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm shocked. <laughs> and I'm terrified. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our magical splendor movie adventure birdemic ha, ha. how about everybody's heard about the bird, 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 bird.